0: He is Jay Mariotti, who's been doing a podcast now for about, what, four years now, where he can actually say what he wants, sort of like I've been doing for the last couple of years. Jay, how are you, man? I am one of the one million people who have podcasts. (laughs) One million, I read
1: the other day. So uh, (laughs) I hope you can find me. But, Tony, it's great to hear your voice. Congrats on the show. I hope you're staying safe. And it's great to talk to a Hall of Famer who continues to do work. After he's inducted into the Hall of Fame
0: as you were. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I'm the as I, one of my quotes when I got when the show started three weeks ago is I'm the only guy who got a job in sports radio when sports stopped existing. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's that'll be on my resume, too. We're on my tombstone. Got hired during a pandemic when there was no sports to talk about.
1: Is it not amazing how sports stations continue to try? And certainly between Brady and Gronk in this documentary. And of course, the NFL draft. There has been grist, but at some point, Tony, I, you know, we're, we're not going to have sports. I, I keep seeing these stories every day. These wishful thinking stories. Uh, yes, baseball is plotting a, a way back. Oh, really? Do you have testing that that should be devoted to hospitals and doctors and frontliners? You want those tests right now? And how are you going to make this work? And we don't have a vaccine. I, I'm getting off track, but I, I just want. I hope these leagues through their various media outlets, aren't trying to brainwash people. We're a long way off from sports. Just think about a contact sport such as football and basketball. How would you even do it at this point? Quarantining, Mike Trout doesn't want to play, Clayton Kershaw doesn't want to play. It's, it's, we're so far away from that that it's probably not even worth discussing at this point.
0: Yeah, we were just talking about the NBA's plan now as to in uh, states where they allow it to have players go in and work out at a team facility. No more than four players, no group action, uh, just go in and work out. And then you got players all over the world and in some other cities like here in Philly where their practice facilities in Camden where they can't even go in because the state in New Jersey is going to be shut down until June. How are they going to pull this together? Players are all over the world, not even in the cities where they're supposed to play. And, oh, by the way, they may not be playing in the cities where they're supposed to play if they do indeed, in fact, resume the season and finish out the regular season and then start a postseason.
1: Yeah, and you're asking them to abandon their families. Very difficult at this point in time to do that. I think MLB will want them to take pay cuts. Really? Because there aren't any fans in the stands spending money. This is so elaborate and so complicated it, it, every time I see a news story, baseball will be played in 2020, says Rob Manfred. Really? Dr. Rob Manfred. Add him to the long list like Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil. And Dr. I mean, really? Dr. Rob Manfred knows we're going to be playing baseball in 2020. It's all about money. It's all about greed. you got to put that aside, guys. Jerry Jones can't. Uh, strong-arm the coronavirus. Mark Cuban can't talk down the coronavirus. Jerry Reinsdorf can't end it prematurely. Nobody's beating the coronavirus. The coronavirus, as the uh, New York Times put so aptly last week in a headline, the coronavirus doesn't care about when sports resumes.
0: It's sort of like the honey badger, except completely different.
1: How is that? No, Coming I remember out. the
0: joke, the honey badger doesn't give a crap about anything.
1: Oh, oh yeah, 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 okay. Come on, Jay, it's not
0: that old. I mean, I it's not sure that long ago. The,
1: the football player, the honey badger. No, I'm that's, talking the original that's what honey badger. I was thinking. No,
0: the original honey badger. <laughs> remember the video? It was like the first one of the biggest I viral remember. videos. Yeah, yeah. And it's okay. the honey badgers out there eating everything. He doesn't give a shit, basically, the honey badger. <laughs> and that's the same thing with this virus. Now, Harry Mays is here. He's a big-time... NBA guy. He was watching The Last Dance, and you watched it last night. You know, we we, we, both of us worked at ESPN, so we know how great these 30 for 30s are. You talk about the right show at the right time. First before, do you believe that Jordan finally let this thing happen once LeBron won his third championship, and he said, okay, let's put this out there so we can stop the comparisons?
1: Yes, as somebody who knows Michael Jordan, uh, remember, he went reclusive for years, and he has been— Owning this nondescript team, people even forget he's an NBA owner, the Charlotte Hornets. How is Michael dealing, you know, a man who couldn't deal with one loss as a player, how is he dealing with perennial losing in Charlotte? I will never understand that. Uh, But anyway, yes, the perfect uh, diversion for the time. Uh, Michael Jordan was sitting on this footage for years. He had first dibs on it. Adam Silver was running NBA Entertainment at the time. They stuffed this footage away. Finally, Michael sees the LeBron comeback from a 1-3 deficit. Everybody is declaring, including the millennials and the Gen Zers, that LeBron's the greatest of all time. And Michael finally said, whoa there. It's probably time to remind the world that I am Michael Jeffrey Jordan. And LeBron has lost his share of finals. I never lost in a finals Six, 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 sign of the devil. Six finals, six MVPs, six championships. And it's probably time to trot out all of the obstacles that I had to deal with. And that's what we're seeing, guys. We're seeing Michael Jordan having to deal with Krause, having to deal with Reinsdorf having to deal with coaching changes, having to deal with Phil Jackson every summer winning a championship, then they scrooge him every summer and, and tell, tell him, you're going to get low-balled, you're going to hit your one-year deal. So, so it, unlike so many other great dynasties, the Lakers with Jerry Buss, Jerry Buss would just sit back and enjoy it, give Urban Johnson his money, make everybody happy, uh, even the Pistons. You know, they from, from their owner on down to Chuck Daly, on down to Isaiah Thomas, they were united. But the miracle of the Bulls is that they were dysfunctional throughout this period of time, and yet because of the will of Michael Jordan, uh, they win six titles. That's what I want younger people to realize when they're thinking about LeBron versus Michael. I, don't, I bet younger people have no idea all of this drama went on.
0: No, you're right. You have to be over what? 35? to really be old enough to remember this whole era with the b- bad boys. yeah, you know, we had Scott Hastings on last week. He was part of the team that finally won that Piston team before his career ended. And, and people are watching this stuff and saying, that's the way they play basketball in the 80s and 90s? <laughs> hey,
1: can you believe that in the last 24 hours, we had uh, Michael calling Isaiah an a-hole – you have Isaiah going on ESPN today and, and saying he's never been more hurt in his life. Uh, you've got Lambert coming out today and calling the Bulls whiners. You have Horace Grant calling them, quote, straight-up bitches. <laughs> I, mean, I miss these rivalries. There's nothing like today. These guys, 30 years later, they're still mad. Michael Jordan has every reason in the world to feel as if he has conquered life, and he's still mad about Isaiah Thomas? That's what blows Away. like i i knew that that this was happening when i was a fan but i'd never had the uh, the idea of how much of an idiot jerry Krauss was until watching this i mean that he took that team and that coach and just refused to keep it together blows my mind jay well he was mocked quite a bit as you saw yeah. you know jordan and pippen mocking him uh Krause, a very sensitive man deserves more credit for building it mm-hmm. uh, never got that credit and a lot of it he brought on himself he was never going to be one of the guys he tried to be when he was dancing last night that was amazing. that was funny yeah. jerry krause but then you saw scotty say sit down jerry <laughs> See, he, there was no respect because he he behind the scenes these guys wanted to be paid and even michael jordan was, they? Reinsdorf and Krauss made him run through the duration of an eight-year, $24 million deal while Ewing and Bird and Magic were all getting their real uh, deals redone in the boom era of that league. They made Michael wait it out to the end, Scotty, so woefully underpaid, go Jackson. That, so these guys were never going to go after Reinsdorf. They were going to go after Kraus. But in essence, my chats with Jordan... You know, after he left the game, he was every bit as angry with Reinsdorf. And remember, I mean, all of the money being made, the entire west side of Chicago is gentrified today because of Michael Jordan and all of the money coming through there, and yet I'm still to this day thinking that Reinsdorf broke it up early because he wanted to hoard that money, didn't want to have to pay everybody again, and then they kept filling the United Center for years with, with fans who couldn't afford to get it, or just didn't, work, didn't have the access to get into the arena during the dynasty. There's so much here, it's so complicated, it's so exhilarating and joyful, yet so dark and unnecessary, and that's why it's a fascinating documentary.
0: Yeah, but the bottom line is people thought Jordan, before this thing was released, there was an interview with the, with the director or producer said Jordan's worried that he's going to come off as the bad guy. I don't think he's coming off as the bad guy at all now either. after four episodes. Now, he's
1: in control of the documentary. He, he's the executive producer. That's why he signed off on it, because he he has control. Of course Michael Jordan would have control. He's always <laughs> had control. He wasn't going to let this thing go unless he trusted Jason Ayer, the director, and unless his two people, if you look at the credits afterward, you will see Curtis Polk and S.D. Portnoy, his two longtime business people as executive producers. So nothing's going to get by him here. Gambling is a major part of the Michael Jordan story. The director has said he has asked Michael the question. We still have six more episodes. I highly doubt we're going to delve into uh, what was a very tricky period there, his father's murder. the investigation into gambling by the NBA at the time, Michael's sudden retirement to play baseball. To this day, nobody truly knows what went down. The NBA has continued to deny it was a uh, suspension. I have my doubts. Uh, why would you want to kill the Golden Goose? That would be a convenient way to say, hey, Michael's going to go play baseball. He's grieving right now. Well, let's see if Jason Ayer asks a succession of questions, not just one, but follow-ups and then asks other people, including maybe Adam Silver, about what went down during that so-called investigation.
0: Well, we all know covering the NBA back in those days, and you were in Chicago at the Sun-Times for 17 years, so you saw it all that when, when Michael and the Bulls would come to New York to play the Knicks, as soon as the game was over, he's in a limo heading to Atlantic City, you know, to sit in the Bach room all night long. But people Not like people, that,
1: but there are, he was on the golf course losing money to scumbags. Remember the book Richard Esquinas, Michael and me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Richard Esquinas was taking his money. We're talking, you know, millions of dollars in the golf course. What stops somebody like that from saying, okay, Mike, we're on the 18th green, you're down, uh... You know, two hundred grand uh... why don't you just uh... uh maneuver the over under tomorrow night Now, of course i'm not accusing anybody of anything here but we're just coming off the pete rose scandal at the time and and now we find that michael as you noted had this propensity to gamble uh, i would call it a gambling problem and you've got people saying he's losing millions on golf courses. Well, of course David Stern should be alarmed by that because it would be the easiest thing in the world is to throw an NBA over under. You don't even have to lose the game. And you, you follow this league, Tony. You know what went down maybe back then. I don't have to bring up Tim Donaghy to anybody. So, yes, this has been, a, as it should be so far, an exhilarating, feel-good, uh, celebratory Uh, documentary about arguably the greatest sports dynasty in the history of planet earth. But I need to see more. It has to be revelatory as well. And I I don't know if we're going to get there or not. Hey, Jay, where does uh, Dennis Rodman's mid season Vegas vacation show up on the all time list of boss moves by athletes? (laughs) Because to me, if there was a Mount Rushmore, it's on it. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You know, as it was, you're covering Jordan through this. And, and all of these dramas, and then here comes Rodman, and Phil knew how to relate, Michael knew when to threaten to ruin his life, and then knew when to say, okay, run off for a couple of days. But yeah, that's what everybody's talking about. Again, that could never, ever happen today. I mean, you guys remember Alan Iverson would disappear for a day and all hell would break loose, and that, that was 2001. Uh, you let Dennis Rodman leave? I, such was the power of the Bulls at the time, the leverage of having five championships in your pocket, that they could get away with that. That was the original load management. <laughs> Let's let Dennis. You know, you, you can fill in the blanks there with load management. But <laughs> let Dennis run off with Carmen Electra. And, and then, yeah, Michael Jordan pulling up. <laughs> I still can't. That did not happen in Vegas. That happened in Chicago at Dennis's very quaint place downtown where Jordan uh, knocked on the door and got him out of there and saved the uh, dynasty.
0: Now, these, uh, these rival the, the Dallas Cowboys White House stories from back in the day when they were a great dynasty team winning Super Bowls and nobody really knew about it until it was all over. And then the story of the revelations of the White House and who was really in charge of that, and, you know, and which guys were getting the, the stuff to put underneath the floorboards when they wanted to go in there during the week after practice and get loose a little bit, you know?
1: Well, but Dennis is the only one parting here, he and his buddy Jack Haley. Mm. They they put Jack Haley on the team, twelfth man, just to bodyguard Dennis at the clubs. So Jack Haley would go to these places called Crowbar at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. in Chicago with Dennis Rodman just to try to keep him out of trouble. But think about it. The Bulls, just before Rodman arrived, everybody forgets Michael came back after baseball and had a postseason and they lost the Orlando Magic. Horace Grant was playing for the Magic. Everybody forgets that. After that loss, people thought the Bulls were sort of in limbo. They needed a tough presence up front. They needed a rebounder. So they took the gamble on Rodman. But it took Phil Jackson's personality and his ability to try to link in to the mind of Dennis Rodman, and it took Jordan and Pippen to buy in for that to work. But I think they all realized— we need this guy's defense, we need his rebounding, we need his grip, we need his hustle, and we'll put up with all the crap on the side, and and that's why it worked out.
0: Yeah, it's an era we'll never see again, certainly. And everybody talks about, you know, LeBron, and he's a beast, and he goes in there and he beats people up. Nobody beat up people. Michael Jordan got beat up by most people in the league, and you saw it in the game. But the guys on the Pistons team, the bad boys, but the best part or the worst part of last night was watching the Pistons walk off the floor without shaking hands after they were eliminated. That way, of all the Bush League things I've seen, and I remember seeing it when it happened, and the fact that Isaiah Thomas is still pissed off, that Michael Jordan's pissed off, that the guy's a bad sport is beyond human comprehension to me.
1: They're they're all pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. They're all, 30 years later, they're all (laughs) angry. I mean, bring them back, put them in a room, put that on TV, I guess that would be social distancing. It could. But I would love to hear, like, a debate with these guys to yeah. this day. Yeah. Isaiah versus Michael. Go. That could be the next documentary. Yeah, instead
0: so. of doing these stupid horse things outside in the wind. Yeah. And you know, having people watch it. Actually have those guys suit up and play an old-timers game against each <laughs> other. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. <laughs>
1: better have many trainers out there for that. <laughs> I, I I can't imagine. you know, Horace Grant, we we haven't heard from a Horace in years. He, he he's saying they're a bunch of bitches on the bike. <laughs> he's still mad about this. I, I can't believe Michael Jordan is so mad about it. But yes, that to me that was that was pretty pathetic, but think about it. That's the way the bad boys should go down, not shaking hands. Mm -hmm. That's who they were. (laughs) That's the perfect exit for a a team like that. Uh, But, you know, the, the thing was, at least the Detroit Pistons were unified. The Chicago Bulls never were. They were in that locker room, but you had two guys upstairs trying to sabotage the thing. And to this day... It just boggles the mind that that was happening, especially if you look at what has happened to the Bulls since Michael Jordan. An awful franchise. Yep. I mean, if you Jerry Reinsdorf inherited Michael Jordan. He, he didn't draft him. He inherited him. And they win the six titles, I would argue, any owner could have. If you count Reinsdorf's years as an owner, the White Sox and the Bulls, I believe, something like 75, 78 uh, collective years of sports ownership. If you throw out the Jordan years, one championship, one. Mm. So he's won for 64 or something like that. Wow. And if that wouldn't fly in New York. It wouldn't fly in Philadelphia. It would fly in Boston. Would, for some reason, because the Cubs took forever to win in Chicago suffered through the years in sports, it was okay for Reinsdorf to shut that thing down because oh six is great that's enough. Mm. You don't have the sports sophistication among fans in Chicago that you guys have on the East Coast. They're more forgiving there, and it's the Midwest, and it's a, it's a different deal. But to me, I'll, I'll never, I'll go to my grave wondering why in the hell wouldn't you just pay them for two more years and win two more championships.
0: Well, you know, somewhere Sam Hinkie is sitting back saying, I can't wait for my 30 for 30 <laughs> on how many times I sat back and was called a genius in the city and had statues erected to me and had banners in stadiums because I was able to go out there and throw a bunch of scrubs out and hoodwink people for four seasons thinking we were going to eventually win a championship. And who knows how close they are, but based on what you've seen the last couple of years, I don't know if they're any closer than they were. Well, they were closer. Well, no, they were in the finals. Remember, they went to the Eastern Conference finals with Doug Collins before that thing blew up, and then they blew this thing up. So I don't know if there'll be a 30-for-30, 30 30, maybe at least 30 minutes on Sam Hinkie's legacy <laughs> in Philly one night. Well,
1: what's, what's gonna They're going to trade Ben Simmons, and Bede's going to play 40 games a year, and, and then what, a new process? It's, that, the process did not work. I'm sorry, I think you and I talked a few years ago about this. It's just stunning to me. The Philadelphia, I knew maybe it's gotten soft, uh, it would, would actually allow that to happen. I, I can't, in these bigger sports cities with heavily populated regions with, with lots of devoted sports fans, that, not, that sort of junk uh, never should happen. But, but I would equate, that was a tank job, that was the original tank job, allowing Michael to retire getting rid of Scotty and and Dennis runs off and when you look at it, Phil was the one of of the whole bunch. Phil was the one who continued to succeed and win championships. Steve Kerr later won as a coach. But look at Michael. Went to Washington nothing and, and, and absolutely nothing is an owner in Charlotte. Pippin is—I think he got fired by the Bulls as a, an ambassador earlier this year. Hmm. Uh, pippin is what, yeah, moonlighting on ESPN. Not really sure what Scotty does these days. It, the, the rest of them just sort of the the, the, the Bulls with with Reinsdorf, nothing. Kraus hired Tim Floyd. You saw how that went. Yeah. So so really, in the end, Phil is the guy who comes off as the one with with. Those rings and maybe the guy who in the end should be remembered is the only guy on planet Earth who could have pulled this off.
0: The only guy who could have pulled this off because he was there for 17 years in Chicago. The great Jay Mariotti. Jay, always great to talk to me. I haven't seen you since Houston a couple years ago when we that were down there where we hanging saw out. We each
1: other. Well, I'm glad you have your show. Call me uh, anytime and stay safe, guys.
0: Thank, Thank you. Thanks, Jay. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jay, the great Jay Mariotti. At Mariotti Sports. At Mariotti Sports, yeah. his, uh, his podcast is called Unmuted. Unmuted, yeah.